We were uh, joking after first service that that's a, a pretty heavy video to open up with <laughs> right away to kick off uh, the service. But we are going to be talking about over the next few weeks and including this morning, we're going to be talking about the crucifixion. And so it's an intense, <laughs> it's an intense topic. There's no way around that. Uh, my name is John Hendrickson. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Uh, here at Daybreak, and this entire series, we're centering on one of the crucial ingredients of the Christian faith, one of the key pieces of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and that, it, that ties very, very closely to the crucifixion. And many of the images of the crucifixion that are out there, including a lot of the ones that you just saw on the video screen, are varied. There's a lot of different, uh, they look a lot, a lot of uh, different ways, um, but what we're going to do during this uh, series is to take an in-depth look at some of the words that Jesus spoke from the cross. That, that some of the words that, that when love speaks, when Jesus spoke from the cross, here's some of the ways that he, he challenged us, and here's what we can learn about him, here's what we can learn about uh, his father, and then here's what we can learn about what he's challenging us to do through those very words. So what I want to do is I want to take an opportunity to just pray for us that we would be able to hear what it is that God wants to challenge us with today. So would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for a new day, a new day to celebrate who you are. And God, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us on not just this whole uh, series where we're talking about the sacrifice of your son on the cross, but also this topic today, uh, this topic of forgiveness. And so I ask that you would speak to us, that we would be willing to hear your voice, uh, and that we would uh, respond to the challenge that you, that you put before us. We love you, and we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you haven't reached and grabbed your outline yet, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, it's really going to help you follow along today. There's a couple of different passages that we're going to look like. I think it will help you to jot some notes down, uh, to, to uh, answer some questions, throw some of your own ideas down as we go along this morning. In the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 23, Luke uh, is recounting the story of Jesus' crucifixion. And I would encourage you to take the opportunity, maybe even sometime this week, to read through the entire chapter, because we're only going to be focusing on a, a little bit of it today. But go, go ahead and, and take the opportunity to read the entire story at some point this week. We're going to pick it up in verse 33. And what, where we are is that Pilate has handed Jesus over to be, to be crucified. He's set free a, a, a prisoner who was convicted of murder. He set him free so that Jesus could be crucified. And that's where our story picks up uh, in verse 33. It says this, it says, When they came to a place called the Skull, uh, which is also called Calvary or Golgotha, they nailed him, Jesus, to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself, if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. Crucifixion, as you can... (laughs) Imagine and see in, 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 the, in these pictures. How many of you have ever seen The Passion of the Christ? The movie The Passion of the Christ. Okay, a bunch of you. Crucifixion is a brutal way to die. It's a brutal way to die. Not only is it an extremely painful thing, but it's also an agonizingly slow way to die. And it was designed not just to end the life of a criminal, but it was designed to actually humiliate them as well as to, to be sort of a warning for anybody else that was, was to see what was going on. So those who were crucified were dying. They would experience a whole host of of horrible symptoms, things like tremendous exhaustion, uh, incredible amounts of shock. They would lose, obviously they would have a lot of blood loss. They would experience muscles tearing and ligaments tearing. Uh, They would have fluid buildup around their lungs and around their heart, and then eventually they typically would die from asphyxiation or a loss of oxygen. And so they would actually suffocate in the midst of all of that other uh, experience. And so crucifixion was not a pretty sight at all. And a lot of times when we think about images of Jesus on the cross, a lot of times they lose that brutality that was, that was actually true. And so when we're looking at the crucifixion, we, we want to remember that it was, it was a, a brutal, brutal thing. And so as we look at these couple of verses from Luke, it's key to note that in the midst of suffering, in the midst of Jesus going through this this 
awful, awful experience. In the midst of the dripping blood, the sweat, the muscles tearing, the difficulty breathing, he spoke some words. He actually audibly said some things that would have taken some incredible effort. And today we're going to talk about the prayer that he offered up, where he said, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. He didn't speak a curse over the people that were there. Uh, He didn't uh, pray that, God, Father, would you punish these horrible people, horrible and evil people. Uh, Instead, what he does is he actually prays an audible prayer to his Father on their behalf. A prayer uh, for the very people who were beating him, mocking him, gambling for his clothes in, in front of him, spitting on him, all of them. Jesus prayed an audible prayer to his Father on their behalf, and he said, Father, I want you to forgive them. Would you please forgive them? They don't know what they're doing. In, the, in that moment, Jesus spoke forgiveness. And forgiveness is something that is so close to the heart of God that even in the midst of his most painful moment, Jesus was pleading for it. He was pleading for it. When he was desperate and, and dying, he presented a request to his father for forgiveness. He asked his father to forgive. Now, I don't know whether you've been, when you, whether you've been following Jesus for years, as long as you can remember, you've been someone that's been following Jesus, or whether you're, maybe that's something that's more new to you, it's something you've just kind of started on this journey of pursuing him, or maybe you're not even sure that you're there, that you're, you're just kind of feeling things out, you're not sure if you're, if you're ready to follow him yet. If you want to understand what following him is all about, embracing forgiveness is a great place to start. The truth is this, and this is the truth that's written in your outline there that we're going to focus on, is that embracing forgiveness is a family value that stretches me. It stretches us, bringing heaven to earth. Embracing forgiveness is a family value that stretches me, bringing heaven to earth. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The first point in your outline is this, is that embracing forgiveness, number one, is a family value. It's a family value. When Jesus says, Father, forgive them, we're reminded that forgiveness is a family value. It's part of the very core of who God is and who God challenges us to be as his children. And we see it throughout Scripture, this whole theme of forgiveness. In Genesis, those of you who are familiar with the story of Joseph, his family sells him off to slavery, and years later he has the opportunity to offer forgiveness to them. Throughout the whole Old Testament, the Israelites over and over again, are are disobeying and and rebelling against God. And we see over and over again God's forgiveness and reconciliation coming through. And in the Psalms, we see David writing out prayers and songs, crying out to God for forgiveness, and then also celebrating the fact that God continues to forgive. Time and time again, we see God forgiving people and then challenging them to forgive one another. Because by allowing God to forgive us, And by forgiving one another, we have the opportunity to be who we were originally created to be, which is people who were created, who bear God's image, were created in his image, and then reflect his image to one another. And so when we come to the life of Jesus, not only does he display forgiveness in his actions, but he also has a lot of discussions about it as a family value. He he talks a lot about it with Uh, his disciples. And one time in particular, he was discussing it with his followers, um, and they were talking about conflict. How many of you have had uh, conflict in the last, uh, let's go with 10 minutes, no, Uh, a couple, okay, all of us, right? We all have conflict all the time. If you have any sort of relationships with anybody, you're going to experience some type of conflict. And so Jesus was talking about, uh, in Matthew chapter 18, is talking with people about how do you handle this? What, What happens when you're experiencing conflict with one another. And we're not going to be able to go through the whole chapter, but it's a really cool chapter to check out. You should do that on your own sometime. But conflict and forgiveness, that those two things go hand in hand, right? Like they have to, right? You wouldn't have you wouldn't have forgiveness unless there was some kind of conflict there. And so it's important that to note that Jesus was talking about conflict when uh, the the subject of incurred uh, of forgiveness came up. So they're having a discussion. Jesus is having a discussion with his disciples about this family value of forgiveness. When Peter comes out and he asks Jesus the question that everybody else, all the other disciples were kind of already wondering, but Peter sort of was the one that had the guts to ask the question. And we pick this up in verse 21. This is Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. 
It says that Peter came to him, came to Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. So Peter wants to know, hey, Jesus, at what point are we off the hook on this whole forgiveness thing, right? Like he wants to know, where's this line drawn? What's the limit? Where can I kind of cut off the forgiveness thing with other people? We're, you know, we're talking about conflict, that kind of thing. What's, what's the limit to this whole idea of conflict? And you can, almost picture, you can almost see Peter picturing in his mind like somebody in his life that just drives him nuts, right? Like he just kind of he has, has this picture of this person, you know, kind of like the person you're picturing right now. Right, in your mind. Like he has this picture of this person that there's just so much conflict there and he wants to know, okay, Jesus, like I want to follow you. I'm really interested in that kind of thing. But I want to know, like, where do I draw the line here? Like at what point can I kind of stop uh, forgiving them? Can I, how about seven times? Is that good enough? If I forgive him seven times, can I draw the line there and, and, and move on? Can I cut the forgiveness off there? And Jesus looks at him and says, nope. <laughs> nope. Seven times? Seven times is not enough. In my family, Jesus says, forgiveness has a lot more value than that. It's a, it's a much higher family value than that. And so he throws it back at Peter and he says, not seven times, but 70 times seven times. And you can see Peter kind of trying, I don't know how good he was at math, but you can almost see him like trying to add those numbers up in his head, like, okay, carry the, or anybody got the number? 490. Okay, yeah. Looking to draw the line at 490. That's where Rick's line is, right at 490. So Jesus can tell, as he's talking with Peter, Jesus can tell that Peter's kind of not real thrilled with what Jesus is saying here because his whole intention was to figure out like, okay, I'll be forgiving, but where can I stop being forgiving, right? And so uh, Peter doesn't ask the question verbally, but his expression to Jesus kind of lets him know that he's, he's not really thrilled with some of what it is that, that Jesus is saying. Uh, he's, he's thinking sort of like, you can't really be serious here. Surely, surely there's, a, there's a, a, a smaller limit than 70 times 7. And so Jesus does what he does in a number, of times, a number of times in Scripture, which I love, is in order to explain a point or to illustrate what he's trying to say, he just sort of busts out a parable. Like he just goes for a story right off the bat. And, and if, you, if you are someone like me who likes stories, if you ever read through the gospel, there are so many different times where Jesus just goes right into a story, a parable, to illustrate the truth that he's trying to talk about. And that's what he does here with Peter. He says, and this, this continues in your outline, uh, in verse 21, he says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please, be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Now, the parable doesn't end there, but that's the first part of the story that Jesus uses to talk to explain to Peter the type of forgiveness that God has granted him, the type of forgiveness that God has offered each and every one of us, that because of our brokenness, because of our rebellion, because of the ways that we've, we disobey what it is that God challenges us to do, each and every one of us has an immeasurable amount of debt uh, that we're responsible to pay back. But, be, but thanks to what Jesus did on the cross, because of his sacrifice, we're invited to come humbly before God like the servant in this story, allow Jesus' sacrifice to pay for our debt and to live, live as debt-free or forgiven people. Forgiveness is a family value, and it's something that's part of the very character of our Creator. And it's important as we follow Christ and as you hear this story of Jesus over and over and over again, it's important that we remember that forgiveness is a family value. And I love reading this story about the disciples, uh, especially Peter, because he's so real and he's, he's really raw and human and struggled to grasp a lot of the things that Jesus was challenging him with. And I think the reason I like him is because he reminds, reminds me of myself. Like, he reminds me of us. Like, he's just someone who's trying to follow Christ, trying to do it the best that he can. He's actually with him, so he actually is following him but he's constantly struggling and, and, 
and has these questions and doesn't quite get it and is, is really searching and seeking what it is that Jesus is calling him to. And so it makes me feel hopeful if somebody that was actually following Jesus in person right there was, was having a struggle in doing it, that we are also going to have the same types of struggles. So Peter had, following, following Jesus, had been following Jesus for quite a while. And just like him, or just like Peter, it's important that we understand that God is someone that we own, we owe an immense amount of personal debt to. That that's something that we have to remember over and over again, that there is an immeasurable amount of debt that we owe God. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have the opportunity to be forgiven. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul uh, reminded the followers of Christ of this truth when he said this. He said, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. Uh, would you underline that, through his blood? We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And that statement, through his blood, really ties back to this whole entire series. And, the, and it points back to Jesus' death on the cross, that you and I are redeemed through the blood of Jesus, that we are, that our debt is paid by his crucifixion, that we have forgiveness because of the sacrifice that he made on the cross. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Forgiveness is so much of a family value. It's so much of a part of who God is that Jesus actually chose to pave the way for it to be possible. In order for forgiveness to take place, great sacrifice is required. For the king in the story, in order for him to forgive, he had to lose millions. For you and I, in order to be forgiven, Jesus had to sacrifice himself on the cross. Forgiveness is a family value and it comes at a great cost. Which brings me to the second point in your outline there is that embracing forgiveness stretches me. Embracing forgiveness stretches me. So Jesus is, is telling Peter this story. He's, he's sharing this parable with him in response to Peter's question about how often he's supposed to forgive. Uh, and at first Jesus points out this king that, that forgives this huge amount of debt of his servant, and then it goes on to say this. It says, But when the man, the servant who had been forgiven, left the king, he went to a, ser- he went to a fellow servant who, owned, who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Now, every time I read this particular parable, yeah, it's pretty intense, right? It's like, oh my. Like, it challenges you to your very core. The servant, after having this huge pile of debt forgiven by the king, goes to someone who owed him a much, much smaller debt. But when that person begged for forgiveness, he refused to forgive the debt. And you can almost see Peter, as Jesus is telling him this story, you can almost see Peter's eyes like start to bulge out of, his, out of his head. When the king found out about what his servant had done, he was ticked. <laughs> it says that the king called the man back in to see him, asked him how he could have refused to offer forgiveness when he had been forgiven, and then he sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. The generous king became the angry king when his forgiveness was not shared with others. And you can tell when Jesus is uh, sharing this parable with Peter and with the other disciples that are there, you can tell that he means business. Like he's not messing around on this one. There's some other parables where uh, it's a little bit more light. It's kind of like, oh, that's a really good point. It's a good challenge. It's a good truth. But then there are some parables like this one where it's like he's not messing around. He means business by what he's saying here. 
Forgiveness is a family value, he says. And if you're going to accept forgiveness from God, you better extend it to others. In fact, what he's really saying to Peter is, you don't really have a choice on this one. Like, this is not something that I, I don't really, I haven't really designed you to have an option on this one. Forgiveness is part of the deal. When you're my disciple, when you're part of my family, forgiveness is just part of the deal. And it's, it's part of any strong relationship. I, I think about um, my relationship with my wife and how often the two of us are, need, are in need of, of forgiving one another. We have this kind of this cycle going where I mess up, I ask for forgiveness, and then she forgives me. Or she messes up, I ask for forgiveness for making her mess up, and then she forgives me. Right? Anybody relate to that? That same kind of thing? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. A couple of you glares. A couple glares. Wow. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But seriously, for Mel and I, like both of us, regularly have to ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness from one another because we're both screwed up people. We're both, we both make mistakes. We're both selfish. Uh, we both put our, a lot of times put ourselves ahead of the other person. And so it's, it's an ongoing need because of our own brokenness. In order for our relationship to continue to grow, we have to be willing to, to forgive each other and to come to, together uh, and forgive one another. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying since there's going to be conflict, since it's, just, it's going to happen, you're not going to have a conflict-free existence. Since there's going to be conflict, you have got to learn how to forgive other people and how to be forgiven. That's what I expect of you, he says. God has forgiven you. He has forgiven you this enormous amount of debt. And so you need to be the type of person that forgives others as well. And why did Peter have a problem with that? <laughs> and why, did, why do you and I have an issue with that? Why is, it, why is that something that we have an issue with? Is because forgiving is so tough to do. In reality, forgiving is so difficult to do. We love to be forgiven, <laughs> right? We love to be forgiven. But to actually extend forgiveness is a really, really difficult thing to do. It truly does stretch us way outside of our comfort zone. It stretches us way outside of our comfort zone, just as Jesus was forced way outside of his comfort zone. Um, When we have conflict and forgiveness is necessary, it always requires incredible amounts of stretching on our part. Now, I want to ask you to write something down on your outline there. So if you still haven't gotten it out, now's a great time. Uh, I want you to write something somewhere on the outline. Just write this question down. It's... It's this, it's how does forgiveness stretch me? How does forgiveness stretch me? And as I've been processing that question, I had a little bit of a head start on it because I knew it was coming. I've come up with a few things. You may be able to come up with some other ones, some different ones. Uh, but I've come up with a few different ways that I've, I feel like uh, forgiveness is something that stretches me. And I want to see if you, you can relate to any of these. The first one is this. The first one is when we blow it, right? When we just, when we mess up, when we blow it, we have to be humble enough to ask for forgiveness. And that is a stretching experience. It's incredibly stretching to humble ourselves enough to go to somebody and ask them to forgive us. Admitting fault and asking for forgiveness is an extremely painful thing because of our own pride. Right? Say, admitting, uh, saying, I was wrong, will you forgive me, is one of the toughest things to do. How many of you can relate? Like for me, to, to actually admit that I was wrong is sometimes one of those things that deep down in my very core, it just causes me to cringe. Like I, I want to do just about anything else other than admit that I'm wrong. Anybody relate to that? Okay, nobody. Great. Oh, a few of you. Okay. Yeah, so... One of the things that I felt challenged with as, as I was processing through this question is I felt like, like God was saying to me, if it's been a while since you said to somebody else, I was wrong, will you forgive me? If it's been a while since, since you've done that, chances are that you're due. <laughs> chances are that you're due. It's probably not that you've been flawless all this time, right? It's probably not been that the case. The, the truth is that, you, that there's probably some pride that's gotten in the way of you being willing to humble yourself enough to say, will you forgive me? So a good question to ask yourself is this. Who, who is it in your life that it's toughest for you to ask forgiveness from? Who is it in your life that it's toughest for you to ask forgiveness from? Is it a friend that you have? Is it your spouse? Is it uh, a parent? Is it a 
uh, one of your children? Who, who is it in your life that it's toughest to ask forgiveness from? It's toughest for you to say to them, I'm sorry, I was wrong, will you forgive me? And chances are that it's that relationship, it's in, it's in that relationship where Jesus most wants to challenge you to be stretched in this area. Whoever that person is, that's probably where Jesus wants to stretch you the most, is in that relationship. So having the humility to ask for forgiveness is certainly something that stretches us. And then there's the other side of that, right? The second one, the other side of that is that we're stretched by choosing to forgive when someone comes to us asking for forgiveness. That stretches us as well. That, that does a lot of stretching too. Not only is it a challenge to, to ask someone for forgiveness, but it's a challenge to forgive. And it takes a lot of humility to be willing to say to someone, even though you've blown it, even though you've wronged me, even though you've hurt me, and even though you owe me, I'm willing to forgive you. I'm willing to forgive the debt that exists between us. I release you from that debt. You don't owe me anymore. Because when we're the ones that have been wronged, and everybody's been there, <laughs> when you're the one that, that has been wronged, it gives you a certain amount of power. It gives you a certain amount of power because now that person owes you, right? That person owes you, and so now you have a certain amount of, of power because they're indebted to you. And so when somebody asks you to forgive them, you have to choose. We have to choose. What do we do with that power that we have now? Do we put it in our back pocket and s- until it sort of seems like the best time for us to go ahead and collect on whatever that thing was? Is that what we do with it? Do we hold it over their head for a while and constantly remind them of the way that they came up short about, the, or about what they did? Or do we wait until the timing is just right and then look for a chance to get some payback for whatever it is that they owe us? But when we truly forgive one another, what we're doing is we're saying to that other person, you don't owe me anymore. You don't owe me any longer. So I want to ask yourself, have you ask yourself this, this question, who is it that's toughest for you to forgive? Who is it that's toughest for you to forgive? Chances are that it's that relationship, whoever that person is, it's that relationship where Jesus might most want to stretch you and grow you to develop this, this family value of forgiveness that he talks about. And then the last way that I want to talk about the way that, uh, forgiveness stretching us is when we come to the point where we have to choose to forgive someone even though they haven't asked for it. And that's a, that's a, it's a, tough, it's a tough one to do, to forgive somebody even though they've never even asked for it. And I, I have to confess, I have, I've had limited experience in this area, and the ways that I have had some experience have been pretty minor, but I'm willing to bet... I'm willing to bet that there are a number of us in this room who have been very deeply hurt by somebody who has never expressed a desire to be forgiven by you. I can, I can guarantee that some of us in this room are in that very spot. And if you're in that boat today, I want to encourage you that in this instance, when it comes to stretching you, Forgiveness may be what you need in order to experience the type of freedom that God longs for you to have. A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity uh, to hear a guy speak uh, by the name of Gary Witherall. And uh, Gary and his wife uh, were uh, international workers in, in the country of Lebanon, and they did a variety of things. Uh, they did some medical assistance. They did some humanitarian aid. Uh, and they were sharing uh, the good news of what Jesus had done in their life. And I want to read you a brief summary of Gary's story that I think illustrates uh, this point pretty well. On the morning of November 21st, 2002, Gary received a frantic phone call from a friend to quickly come to the clinic just outside of Beirut. His wife, Bonnie, had been shot by an extremist. Gary dashed over to the clinic and tried to get into the room where Bonnie lay, Dozens of soldiers surrounded the clinic. Gary was pushed back by the soldiers and eventually wrestled down. He found out Bonnie, his wife, was dead. He wanted so much to be with her and to hold her once more, but the soldiers would not let him in. In his anger and frustration, he was put into another room. At that moment, as he was crying his heart out, Gary heard a still, small voice very clearly saying, Gary, there's a seed planted in your heart today. 
that seed can grow into hatred and bitterness or grow into love and forgiveness. It's your choice. And Gary, by the grace of God, said, I choose forgiveness. At the memorial service for Bonnie, where the world press surrounded him and with dozens of cameramen literally in his face, a wonderful thing happened. Gary, by the grace of God, got up and preached not only to that nation, but because of the world press, he preached to many other nations as well. I forgive this man because Jesus has forgiven me, was his ringing message. The gospel had seldom been preached so powerfully in Lebanon, Syria, and the Middle East as on that day. And today, Gary continues to share his story and challenges others to a life of following Jesus and inviting others to do the same. When we look back at the cross, when we look back at the cross, what was it that Jesus prayed? He prayed, Father, forgive them what? For they don't know what they're doing. He saw them mocking him. He saw them laughing at him. He had just been beaten by them. He saw them gambling for his clothing. He saw them contributing to his suffering. They weren't asking for his forgiveness. And yet in that moment, he asked his father to forgive them. Uh, In his book, Final Words from the Cross, which is a a book that we're going to refer to a lot uh, in this particular series, uh, Adam Hamilton says this. This is in your outline. He says, Some people will never repent or ask for our forgiveness. But in these cases, we must still learn the art of forgiving. The alternative is to be consumed by resentment, anger, and hate. And I heard heard someone else put it this way. They said that to forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that that prisoner was you. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that that prisoner was you. Was you. When you and I choose to forgive, even to forgive someone who hasn't asked for it, the result is freedom. Some of us in this room, that might be the biggest way that God wants to start to stretch you. That might be the, a huge way that God wants to stretch you. And I want to encourage you if that's where you are, if, the, if, if you're honest, you're like, I know exactly who that person is in my life. Maybe what you want to do is begin to ask God for supernatural strength. Supernatural strength, because it's not coming from just from you. It's got to come from him too. To extend forgiveness to someone who has wronged you, but has never asked for forgiveness or may never be able to ask for forgiveness from you. So embracing forgiveness is a family value. Embracing forgiveness stretches us. And then number three, embracing forgiveness brings heaven to earth. It brings heaven to earth. When you and I embrace forgiveness, not only are we living out the family values that God invites us to, not only is it causing us to be stretched way outside of our comfort zone, but we're actually bringing a little bit of heaven to earth. When Jesus was telling this parable, he wrapped wrapped it up uh, with Peter. He said, remember, he said that the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And then in verse 35, he said, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Jesus says to Peter, I want you to forgive the way that God forgave you. I want you to respond differently than this servant did. I want you to be so excited and, and, and be so grateful for the forgiveness and mercy that God has shown you that it overflows out of your life into the lives of the people around you. Because when forgiveness happens, everyone that's involved catches a glimpse of heaven. They get a taste of what it's like where God's best is always happening. Heaven is actually brought to earth. Now, when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he said some things that a lot of, a lot of us are very, very familiar with. In Matthew chapter 6, he was teaching them to pray, and he said this. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then he goes on to say, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, 
your Father will not forgive your sins. It's not surprising that when Jesus is praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, that forgiveness is center stage. Forgiveness gives us a taste of heaven. Adam Hamilton said this, he said, people who regularly forgive, people who regularly forgive others, find it easier to believe and trust in the grace of God because their hearts have been enlarged by grace. Their hearts have been enlarged by grace and they freely offer it to others. When we experience forgiveness ourselves, and then when we extend that forgiveness to others, we experience the type of freedom that God desires for us. We taste heaven. Now, our key thought that we mentioned earlier today is this, is that embracing forgiveness is a family value that stretches us and it brings heaven to earth. Would you, repeat, would you just read that phrase with me? Embracing forgiveness is a family value that stretches me, bringing heaven to earth. What we want to do uh, today, and you may have noticed uh, the communion elements are set up at various places around the room, is we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate Jesus' sacrifice for us and, to, and, and embrace his challenge to forgive by taking communion with each other. Now, shortly before Jesus went to the cross, he had a meal with his disciples. And it's a meal that a lot of times gets referred to as the Last Supper. And at that meal, Jesus broke bread that represented his broken body. And then scripture says in uh, Matthew 26, it says, Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for what? For the forgiveness of sins. I want to invite you this morning to take communion. I want to invite you to take communion with us. And communion is a way that for thousands of years, followers of Jesus have come together to remember his sacrifice, to praise God for the, give, for the forgiveness that he offers, and to recommit themselves to be the people who he's called them to be, to be followers of Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Christ, that's just not something you've done yet. And if you're honest, you're not really ready to do that today. Uh, you're still kind of just checking things out. You're not sure you're ready to commit to that. That's totally fine. I want to let you know that you're, you're welcome here at Daybreak. We're, we're glad that you're here. Please don't feel any pressure to take communion today. You can just remain at your seat uh, during this time. But if you're here this morning and you do want to remember what Jesus did for you, uh, and you do want to commit yourself again to following him, maybe, maybe committing yourself for the first time, or maybe this is the thousandth time that you commit yourself to following him, then as the worship team leads us in a song, I want to invite you to make your way, just walk on up to one of these stations, get the, the bread and get the cup, and then go ahead and head back to your seat. And then after the song's over, uh, we'll all take the communion elements together. Let's pray. Jesus, today we want to remember you. And we thank you for the prayer that you cried out from the cross. We thank you that forgiveness is a family value of yours. And we thank you that it was so important to you that you went to the extent that you did in order to provide it. Today, I confess to you that it's a lot easier for me to accept your forgiveness than it is for me to forgive others. And so God, as we remember the sacrifice that you've made for us, as we remember the forgiveness that you've offered to us, would you, would you grow us into people that are forgiving? Would you grow us in, into people that forgive others as you've forgiven us? We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.
when Jesus was with his disciples, he broke the bread and he gave it to them and said that this is my body broken for you. Let's go ahead and eat this together. says that, that he then took the cup and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together. Jesus, we say thank you today for your sacrifice. We say thank you for your forgiveness. We pray that you would give us the strength to be people of forgiveness. We thank you for how you modeled that for us, and we want to remember and celebrate your sacrifice today. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Atoning sacrifice, giver of this life. Hallelujah, you are Savior. Beginning in the end, a giver of my sin. By your mercy, you have saved if we all decided uh, on God's prompting that we'd bring a little bit of heaven to earth today. And uh, maybe you're due to say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me to someone? Maybe what John said this morning is true of you. You can't even remember <laughs> the last time you looked at someone and said, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And uh, I like that. It's probably not that you're that you've been perfect. <laughs> it's probably that it's just been a while since you've humbled yourself and allowed God uh, 
allowed yourself to experience the freedom that comes um, when we ask for forgiveness. There's also freedom that comes when we grant forgiveness as well. And maybe it's time that you need to say, I forgive you. You don't owe me anymore. And that we can find ourselves free, whether the person is asking for it or not. Maybe today you need to just allow God to speak to you as we respond to him today and say, I'm going to grant forgiveness to someone. So I would encourage you today in these next couple moments to take out your response card. And we're going to give you just a couple of minutes today before we sing a final song and wrap up to hear God's voice and to respond to him. And if you're new to Daybreak, we do this every week. It's, we believe one of the most important parts of worship is when you sit and you hear God's voice and you say, God, how do you want me to respond? How do you want me to live differently because of your truth applied to my life today? And when you do that, then God continues the work of transformation that he's doing in you. And he continues to do the work of making you more like him. And that's really what coming here is all about. It's really what coming to worship being part of God's family is all about. It's the transformation process of us becoming more like Christ. So let's take these next couple moments. And as God speaks to you, maybe you either want to write a reflection in some way, or maybe you want to write a request. You have a prayer request. Lord, uh, would you please help me? Would you pray for me this week as I attempt to allow God to do this work in and through me? Let's take these next couple moments, hear his voice and respond to him.